You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. 1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit, City of Champions. Detroit, the City of Champions, the podcast. I'm Jamie Flanagan. Charles Avison. And we are diving into the 1935 year. A story unfolded in three books. And I'm telling you, man, screenplay, that needs to become a movie. That's, that's our goal, Jamie. We're trying to make this, we're trying to turn this into the, the greatest uh the, the, uh, a sports epic <laughs> along the lines of a Band of Brothers style uh, movie with uh, the greatest story ever told, the greatest sports story, greatest season ever told on film. And that's, the, that's our objective. Like, yeah. But, and it's just, I've just been astounded. I mean, there's 33 different championships. We've, we've just scratched the surface uh, on the big three, uh, talking about the, the, the Tigers and the Lions. And now we're working our way into the, the hockey world and uh, finding out about the Red Wings. Yes, and the, the Red Wings story, just like the other ones that we've gone into, it's worth like savoring the moments and how this thing unraveled and how, you know, it's, you know like a lot of times when we talk about the City of Champions season, um, it's, 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 it's one of these things where we just plow right through like, hey, you know, especially when I'm doing like an art show or trying to explain it to people, right. it's Tigers, Lions, Red Wings, first championship, same season. Joe Lewis had this incredible rise, 33 total championships, a ce- ce- celebration banquet at the end of the season. And there's so much to it that a lot of times all you can really do is, is hammer out the facts and just go point by point, you know, just because there's so much to it. And, it, but, uh, but that's what I'm loving why we're doing this show because we can really explore, um, all the elements that went into these championships, that's into the, these stories, and to see, because um, when you actually see how it all went down, yeah. it makes it even more remarkable. Like all, I mean, it, and that's when we, you know, back to the movie concept is like there's so much, there's so much to it. There, you don't need to change anything. In fact, that's how I wrote. I wrote as a historically accurate film. Uh, the 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 entire story it's like a made for it's like it was almost almost like this the movie it was made for a movie uh, it, there's so much uh, so much drama to it and so much you know, backstories and stories and rivalries and all this and that's why I really love doing this show because we can dive into each component and um, we got a good one today I'm loving I'm loving every second of it so uh, the uh, Victoria Cougars. Um, moved here and uh, right, they sure did. And then, uh, <laughs> sure did. are we still the, are we still the Cougars? Or are, so we the Falcon, are we I'll the Falcons? Are we the Falcons yet? I'll catch us up to speed for maybe a couple. Maybe we missed a show. Maybe we missed right. a couple shows. Something like this. Maybe maybe this is people's first first episode we're, they're listening to. But <laughs> yeah. but um. So anyways, so uh, uh, so where we're at with this with this story is we've covered we covered the early origins of of hockey itself. Yeah. And how the Stanley Cup became. The coveted, like the stocky, the, the the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is what shaped hockey and it shaped the right. NHL. The pursuit, like whatever league could be the league that was that played for the Stanley Cup every year, would be the league. And so, um, and, and the in the emergence of the NHL was one of the main reasons was that the NHL be, began to expand into North America, or I'm sorry, into um, into America itself, United States, into the much more lucrative Eastern markets of the United States. And so they were able to really start to catch a leg up on a couple of their competitors out in the uh, in the west coast of Canada, and some of the best team, the two of the best teams in Western Canada, which were the Victoria Cougars and the Portland Rosebuds, uh-huh. ended up becoming, as we talked about in a previous episode, the Chicago Blackhawks and Detroit Cougars. Rosebud, there you go, Jamie, right on cue. I, we had that in the script and everything. You nailed it. <laughs> Perfect timing was flawless. So anyways, so both of those teams get – this is what we talked about this almost in an entire episode is the idea that both of those teams came to the NHL in the same year. That was 1926. And the Rosebuds become the Blackhawks the, mm. and the Cougars became – the Victoria Cougars became the Detroit Cougars. And so this was the birth of – so the Chicago franchise and the Detroit franchise both came in the league at the exact same time. So I, I've always thought that was fascinating. And so what, where we dealt with in previous – in the last episode yeah. was – was Jack Adams and the and, his, and how Jack Adams was this phenomenal player Jack. and how the first year of the Detroit Cougars was an, was an absolute disaster. They didn't even have a stadium. They were playing over in Windsor, 
And so when in but when Jack Adams comes along, they, they ended up uh, they they were already in the process of building you know the the old with the what we know as the old Red Barn, and uh, of course in his day was the new Red Barn, yeah. Olympia Stadium, and. In the first year, Jack Adams' first couple, three years, we talked about it last episode, how he was slowly building up a core group of talent. Um, Larry Ori, Herbie Lewis, Abby Goodfellow, and uh, Doug Young, some of, the, some of the guys we mentioned in the last, last but, episode. But we were, we were running into, a, what I recollect, we were running into a problem between profits uh, exactly. and the value of that's, our players. That's where, exactly. That's where we were leaving off. So, the, so that's where we left off last week was the idea that Jack Adams had built – you know, one of the things that he had established was the Detroit Olympics, which is a minor league hockey team, and that 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 he that his this the Detroit Olympics played at Olympia Stadium. They were and they were unique amongst American sports teams because they actually they were a minor league team that played in Detroit, in the same city as their parent franchise, which usually minor league teams play in a different city. But in this case, Jack Adams wanted to personally oversee the development of these players, and and so because he had no money, that they were you know super poor. And so he wanted to develop his own guys and bring them and, and forge them into a team that he wanted them to be. Yeah. And so that now in his very first year, that was he established the Detroit Olympics, which was the minor league team. And so uh, one, so he again he started to build piece after piece each each year. He was basically every year um, for his first four years there, he was establishing. He would find it was basically a new sort of core player would emerge. And so we, you know, like I say, I mentioned a couple of them. Um, uh, the Ebby Goodfellow, Herbie Lewis. Started with that. Larry Ori was the first guy, yeah. and then Herbie Lewis, then Ebby Goodfellow, uh, Doug Young, Johnny Sorrell. Um, these guys. Um, who was the other guy? There was one guy I forgot. One second. Look at my last week's notes. Um, <laughs> Rewind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's all. We got four. So, anyways. Um, yeah, Ebby Goodfellow, Johnny Sorrell, and Doug Young. Yeah. So, anyways, so this, so he's got this core group of guys. Yeah. And so. Ebby uh, Goodfellow, really amongst them all, Ebby Goodfellow was was basically like the Gordie Howe of the 19, of that 1930s team, mm-hmm. big like a, a a scoring threat at any opportunity. One of the biggest guys in the league, loved to fight, incredibly talented. And we talked about how Boston actually offered Jack Adams fifty thousand um, dollars in the middle of the you know the Great Depression hits the Red Wing this or this hockey franchise, which is now known as the Falcons, right? Uh, are in absolutely desperate straits. They were have they, no were they winning yet though? They had won, they went to their first they went to their first playoff in their in that in that in uh, their existence nineteen thirty one thirty two season right as the Falcons they went to their first playoff okay. And so they lost. They lost in, their, in the in the first series, and but they were having to start to have mild success, just slight success. Right. And and so it's but the problem was that the team was bankrupt, Ugh. and they were in receivership. And so and so Jack Adams' bosses are the bankers who actually oh, yeah. own the you know the the cred, the debt on the team, and so they're looking at it from you know potentially just a banker's perspective, saying. I heard Boston's trying to offer you fifty grand yeah, yeah. for Abby Goodfellow. You know, we got some bills you got to pay. And he's yeah. like, "Oh, I don't, you didn't hear anything about from Boston. You didn't hear. <laughs> I didn't hear anything from them. You know, like, <laughs> you know, he's basically downplaying the because he knows that if he starts selling off his best players, right. then it's, he had to, you know, this is the choice he has. He's either he's either if he sells off his best players, he might you know push back the uh, you know push back the the the, the debt for now. But and you know and stave off you know destruction now, but it, it'll only come at the expense a couple of years later, which is guaranteed. You know the, the organization will be finished if they don't have any stars, right. which has taken him you know four or five years to you know to get to this point and develop these guys by this point. So he's in a terrible fix because again, he, so he's he's bankrupt. They're, the team is bankrupt. They're in the middle of the Great Depression. Um, the, the team has no identity. They've got, and you know, they're, they're sure they went to their first playoff game, but, but they are far from a, a legitimate contender. Okay. And so, so, uh, all is looking really bad, uh-huh. really bad. That's what we, so we'd like to set this. That's how we left it off last week. We left all the viewers at home feeling really bad for the Detroit hockey franchise at this moment. Yeah. Um, cause all is not well whatsoever, but we also gave the teaser at the end of last episode, that we, we remember we prayed. We remember we said a prayer right. that there would maybe be a hero would come into emerge to 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 help in this situation. <laughs> who's, to, who's, who, do we do we get a hero? That's 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 where we're going to begin today. Will you be my that's hero? We're gonna be, I'm 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 already the hero. Dave, we're good. <laughs> but you know, but uh, but in this case, we got we have your prototypical hero coming in at the last second to save the day, and not just save the day. 
but coming in to save the day like wielding Excalibur. Okay, right. like he's not just a guy that's gonna oh he's gonna kind of fix a few things up. No, this is a bona fide hero that comes in. If Jack Adams is the uh, I call we call Jack Adams the the father of the Detroit uh, the Detroit hockey franchise, the father of the Red Wings. If Jack Adams is the father of that team, then Jim Norris, who we're about to introduce today, was that fabulously rich uncle that's going to come in there and, and spoil you rotten and Uh-oh. make sure that whatever you know, shortcomings you got, you're not going to worry about um, money. And so Jim Norris is a is uh, as I've already alluded to is a fabulously wealthy grain magnate from Canada. Oh, and so his story um, we put a picture up on the screen there with uh, yeah. Jim Norris and Major Frederick McLaughlin. And so actually to explain Jim Norris, we got to go back a little bit to that first when that when the uh, when the Portland Rosebuds and the uh, Victoria Cougars were being sold and be- and about to become um, you know the Blackhawks in the in the Detroit franchise uh-huh. the Cougars. And at, 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 it was at that moment that Jim Norris, um, he was either moving to Chicago or he was on his way to Chicago or he was having something to do with Chicago. Uh, but anyways, he made a bid for the Portland Rosebuds to go to Chicago. He wanted to be the, the owner of this team and move them to Chicago. Uh-huh. And I've never really, I've never seen an article, if anybody ever sees anything, about how that actual auction went down or what exactly the friction that happened. I don't know, but whatever it was, Jim Norris lost out on the bid for the Portland Rosebuds. Yeah. And and it lost out and so not only that, but McLaughlin, not only did he get this Rosebuds, he got the territory of Chicago exclusive domain oh. in Chicago, a monopoly on any NHL activity in Chicago that was all Major Frederick McLaughlin. And so Norris lost out on his bid for a Chicago NHL hockey franchise. And so here, so you know, this is you know, this is so that's that's his situation. So a couple years later, um, so Norris at this point is firmly entrenched in Chicago. Like Chicago is actually his um, primary, you know, one of you know his business uh, avenue. He actually lives in Chicago at this point. And so in Chicago, he's basically he's basically upset that he doesn't. You know, he's he's like, well, I don't care if the NHL gave me permission or not to have a team. I'm just going to start my own league, <laughs> like right, like I got <laughs> yeah, yeah, multi millions of dollars, right, right. You know, so he start because so he starts his own team. He starts his own league called the American Hockey League. Okay, and uh, and he and he starts his own team in Chicago called the Chicago Shamrocks. Yeah, and so that year is a uh, night. So that uh, that year is 1930 to 31 when he starts up the Chicago Shamrocks, and in the ensuing season, 1931-32, the Chicago Shamrocks win that American Hockey League championship. So his own team wins basically his own league's championship, which is, you know, maybe a coincidence a little bit or something. I don't know, but, <laughs> but uh, he does it. And so anyways, um, anyways, and now he challenges the NHL for a shot at the Stanley Cup, oh. right? So that's, I mean, that's any self-respecting league. If you think that you're a, a major league, you got to sure. challenge the Stanley Cup. And his challenge is denied, okay? Oh. The, any of the, the holders of the Stanley Cup, the custodians of the Stanley Cup deny him uh, the uh, a shot, a chance at the Stanley, you know, to, to compete for the Stanley Cup, and so now this is a situation in which Norris is like, now you're picking a grudge with a multi multi millionaire, right. right? In the NHL, um, they might have been the premier league at that point, but by no means are they some like the you know the billion dollar league that we know of today. Sure. And so you know, so recognizing, recognizing. You know, there's this basically a growing feud between McLaughlin and Norris, who are actually neighbors in the same wealthy district in Chicago, uh, recognizing the idea that the next Norris's next move is probably going to be to escalate this situation to a, you know, like he's been denied a chance at the Stanley. He's first he's been denied as a team in Chicago. Now he's been denied a shot at the Stanley Cup. Uh, What's his next move going to be? The you Norris know? Trophy. So, I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> down the road we'll get to that point. You know, maybe in about two hundred episodes. Yeah, it yeah, comes yeah, with yeah, a yeah. short time. It's a time after that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but anyways, um, he uh, so recognizing the the it, that it might be a bad idea to pick a fight sure. with a mil, multi-millionaire the NHL offers Norris the chance to wage this like on ice war with McLaughlin on the rings of the, on the rinks of the NHL because at that exact moment the the exact moment that the uh the, this the, the 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 Shamrocks final year which is 31 to 32 at that exact moment this Detroit hockey franchise needed money. needed money. It needed stable ownership. It's on its. I mean, it's the exact situation we already led up to in this. You know, mm-hmm. in the introduction of today's show. There, and so they need something. And so 
that Norris accepts, you know, perfect. You know, I get a, so he gets the entire lock, stock, and barrel of wow. the of the uh, Detroit hockey franchise for a hundred thousand oh. dollars. But he also has to assume all the previous debts and ah. all this. But I'm not sure exactly how much that that was. But he gets the entire franchise. It includes some um, includes Olympia Stadium, um, includes ownership of the Olympia Stadium too. So, um, so 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 the first thing that he does is. Um, uh, so, anyways, you know, why, why don't we? So, the first thing he does is he's actually going to change the logo. Okay? okay, so he's going to change the logo because um, the the idea of the Falcon, the Cougars was the Cougars was let's let's all admit it. Okay, <laughs> we can admit it. This is eighty years later. The the Detroit Cougars was not you know good at least for the hockey franchise. It, it just didn't, doesn't fit. Right. And it, the, the Detroit Falcons, it's just not it's just not catching on. Like that's there's a reason why the history books kind of really you know you you see the Falcons you're going okay next page. Yeah yeah you yeah. Know, you move you know if any history book you look at it they give about they get about that much text to it. Yeah yeah. Um. But uh, so the Falcons didn't work. So they so what they did was they changed it to um that so D- Jim Norris just to get so I want to give you the years of his birth. Or his years of his life, he was born in 1879, and he was lived in Montreal. And so, as we talked about the, um, do we have the picture with the winged wheelers? There we go. So, as so in 1893 to 1894, the winged wheelers, the the um, the the Montreal winged wheelers, uh, were the first Stanley. They won back to backs the first two Stanley Cup champions championships. And we showed on a previous episode the winged wheelers. And so the so at that point, James Norris is living in Montreal, and he's about 14, 15 years old. And so the winged wheelers, undoubtedly, as if you know, Jim Norris was a sportsman even as you know as a kid. They all played, you know, he played sports. He's a big uh, athlete in his in early life. Um, and so at that point, it's completely understandable how the the winged wheelers would have been. Uh, an attraction for Norris, you know, being like, man, the winged, you know, here we are in Detroit, a yeah. Motor City. Yeah. The winged wheel on a on a Motor City is like literally, um, you know, a, a much better fit and a much more unique concept than than just the Falcons. And so he, he really thought it would go in a much better logo. And we have a picture on the screen that shows once we we've already showed this picture before, but I actually uh, brought out the winged wheel on this and actually turned the winged wheel to see how. It didn't look good, you know, up and down like that. I put it next to it, so it, that's why they rotated it into its position. Yeah. And so, anyways, and so yeah, so they so the winged so the idea of the winged wheel comes from this winged wheelers team. But uh, we have a special guest today, Stephen Goldberg. Hey, Stephen. Um, Stephen Goldberg is here because he is he's actually he's got a little information that I was not privy to. Tom, this is a friend of Tom, Tom's, and uh, who we didn't even mention. Tom Urich's here as, as well, usual. I'm, Tom's I'm our buddy. He's here. Yeah, so 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 Tom's here, and Tom brought in a friend of his who has a little uh, insight onto the winged wheelers themselves um, to talk about, like you know, because we kind of brush through the winged wheelers quite a bit. And he, he, I talked to him on the phone, and he has a little bit of insight on that winged wheelers team and to uh, stuff that I didn't know. So um, rather than uh, like just. You know, like go like me thanks, making crap up. Thanks for the info, Stephen. <laughs> I'll make sure I mention it on the show. In fact, instead of that, we brought Stephen in. So, Stephen, yeah, thanks for so being we're here. We're going to let him talk a little bit All about right. the Winged Wheelers. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. It's a fantastic show. So, yeah. So, uh, so Norris actually played for the Winged Wheelers. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. See, that's why we brought you in, yeah. man. Nice. You I didn't know that. You know, the internet's an amazing source. <laughs> yeah, he actually he actually played for the team. Uh, and so just a little bit on the history. So the winged wheel is an ancient symbol going back to Greek and Roman times. Oh, okay. Huh. And They uh, had wheels back then? <laughs> well, well, they had wheels, but maybe not car wheels. You're wings. thinking of it as an automotive wheel. You're skipping Mer- ahead. You're okay. skipping fair ahead. Play, fair play. You're, you're on the right play. path. All right, all right. So, uh, but yeah, the symbol was associated uh, with the Greek god Hermes. Yeah. And it was a representation of a chariot at the time. And it represented three things, transport, speed, and progress. Mm. And the uh, Michigan Amateur Athletic Association was founded with three teams. Uh, it was uh, lacrosse, snowshoe, and hockey. And you <laughs> spoke of already the hockey team yeah. that was part of that club. Sure. And so that, that actual club was adopted the winged wheel as their symbol for the club. So all their sports teams had the winged wheel on it. You're talking about in Montreal? Yes. Yeah. Amateur Athletic Association. Yeah, Montreal. Okay, yeah. And so the, the hockey club, the Montreal Hockey Club, as they were called, yeah. of course, had it too. And, yeah, the wings of it. So uh, bicycling became very big. See, that I did. Yeah, you were, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I had seen somewhere that they had, that the bicycling was really the yes. original roots of the winged wheel concept. Okay. That's, yeah. it, that's absolutely true. Yeah. So 
back when, you know, in the 1880s, you know, the bicycle started coming around, being mm-hmm. a big thing, being actual sport. You could you can see clubs in England that were the British Cycling Club that adopted the winged wheel as a, their symbol as well. And the velodromes were getting big back in the 20s and 30s, too, where they had the big arena where there was like speed bicycling around the arena, like on that curved path, Absolutely. the velodromes, yeah. So basically, uh, they that was the origin of the winged wheel. It was just a symbol of the MAA, yeah. and then the hockey club was using it. He played hockey on that club, sure, and who, and he was a multi-sport athlete too. Yep. So he, yeah, so he, so it might, yeah, and then and then when he comes to Detroit, it's like my God, nobody's using the winged wheel. I mean, it's, it's like perfect. Yeah. So it was literally yeah. bicycle tire flying on the wings of progress. Yeah, that is literally wow. yeah. what represented. That's cool. Yeah. And here we are today. Yeah, that's, that's cool. But that's I love that. Yeah, because that's what you were telling me in the phone. It's just uh, it's just it's it's cool how that you know, and you can and now you can you can see it because. Absolutely, like the winged wheel, bikes, amateurs, you know, how it evolved. And then, you know, the fact that Norris would, you know, he's probably just going, I mean, hell, he probably he may have taken the job because he's like, I want to name the team that. Like maybe that, that might, that, you know, that's never been said anywhere. I mean, it's obviously total speculation. But, but, I mean, maybe he's going, dude, I'm going to the Motor City. Nobody's used the winged wheel since, my, you know, back in the day here, like – I already know what I'm going to name it. Like, it might not have been like him going, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to name it. He may have already come there just knowing 100%. Like, he might have known that for years going, they're crazy for not using it. But then again, not giving it away to him. You well, know, going, he didn't ask exactly to use the symbol. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there was still a little tension there. I mean, sure, the yeah. amateur, the MAA, they didn't just disappear. Right. They oh, still really? go they today. Still, oh, they still okay. exist today. Yeah. They, Do they still use the winged wheel at all today? You know, I'll have to look that yeah, up yeah, on my wonder, phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he didn't really, he just, he just took it. He didn't yeah. pay for it. He didn't ask for it. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's oh, true. Oh, they were yeah. simpler times. Yeah, yeah but he, apparently he had enough money to just get away with it. Yeah. yeah, well, true. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's and he also did kind of alter a little bit because it was the red wings. And, he, you know, in the, on the image you can see there was a double wing on this one and on the red wings one. It was a single wing and he rotated it. So there's a, there's a couple different, you know, it was an inspiration for that. So it wasn't a, a total um, piracy violation, I would say. And plus he does have the money to pretty much do whatever he wants. And he probably, yeah. you know, he could kick some money back to them and go, thanks for the, thanks for the idea, you know. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, that's a great, that's a great story. I appreciate you coming and telling us that. Um, so yeah, so, 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 uh, you know, so anyways, so yeah, so we're, so the, so the winged wheel is born. Okay. This right. is now we're so going forward. We don't have to keep stumbling on our words going. The wings, I mean the Falcons. Uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, we don't have to. From now on, it's the, the wings. They're the wings. It's the wings. They we are. don't have to tell This is, we're straight. Playing at Olympia. Straight ahead and on till morning. This is the wings, <laughs> That's right? That's it. So, anyway, so, anyways, there, there we go. So, the, so the, that's his first order of business is to, is to change and get this team a new name. And I got this dramatized in the movie in such a, in such a cool thing. Like the beginning of one of the episodes is like they're opening this crate and there's the Red Wings. Actually, I think it's the end of the, the third, the, maybe the fifth episode. They're unpacking a crate and they pull out the winged wheel because they've seen the other jerseys for the first uh, section of the, of the thing. Anyways, um, so I actually dramatized that in the movie. So, like, anybody that wants to see that on film, it's if it, as a Red Wings fan, like don't tell me that doesn't sound freaking awesome <laughs> to see like on film like a HBO original miniseries or Netflix original miniseries, the birth of the Red Wings you know jersey on screen. It's just I don't know. Like, maybe I'm just an old junkie on that stuff, mm-hmm. but um, I would love to see it. And if anybody else wants to see it too, like maybe we should start like a fund or something, <laughs> like a GoFundMe. <laughs> I mean, why not? Let's do a GoFundMe at some point. Sure. Um, Anyway, so that's Norris's first order of business. His next order of business is that he has to uh, sign Jack Adams. He has to decide who his coach is. He has to decide okay. who his coach is going to be. And so he decides on Jack Adams, and he makes and he the contract that Jack Adams. I actually have a quote about it, but I'm just going to skip it because it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty bland. I like to read some power quotes, and um, but I actually have a quote in the book about when Adams uh, gets the job as the coach and GM. And the crux of the entire thing is that Adams. Gets he that uh, Norris puts Adam on a probationary contract. He signs Adams to the coach and general manager of the team for a one-year deal. That's it. He gets one year to prove himself. Okay, and every year thereafter, Jack Adams is rehired. Jack Adams, his contract comes up every year. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's no four-year multi-million-dollar no. deal. There's no you know how you know. There's no prove it again. Gets, Every single year, Prove Jack again. Adams coached. He was it was on a one year deal. Wow. Okay, and Adams ended up coaching. And this is a spoiler alert, I guess, but I, you know, I might as well lay it out right now. Um, Thirty six years, 
tenure with the Detroit Red Wings as their coach and GM. And that tenure is the longest in, in NHL history. Wow. 36 years on one-year deals every single year. Like that, like that's a guy that proves has got to prove himself every year. You again, know? yes, every again. single year, yeah. Again. So anyway, so he's hired. So Adams is retained, and so, uh, um, so his next order of business is to is that the they, that Adams the, one of the conditions of Adams getting the Red Wings is that he ha- getting this hockey franchise the Red Wings is that he has to disband the American the, his Shamrock team uh. in Chicago. Now that's like so he has to team shenanigans it. has got to go away exactly there you go yeah team shenanigans like so anyways that. so yes yeah, so shenanigans has got to go away <laughs> and so but but so what he does is that he knows he's got some talent on the team oh okay so he wants to bring it so he says Adams you get first choice before we just disband the team ah. this is our AHL championship winners. Um, you we get to dis we're about to disband him. You get your choice of any of the guys on there. Right, right. And so uh, I actually forgot to write down the guys he kept, but they were kind of like you know they were just kind of spare part guys. Okay. They weren't really anybody that was really impactful. I've got them in my book. Um, one of the guys was pretty decent. Um, but it, but uh, otherwise there was there's nothing that really stuck at least not to the 35 season. Um, but there's one notable name that is the essential thing to understand from that Shamrock uh, tryout mm-hmm. with, from that dispersal. And his name is Mike Caracas, and he was the goalie That's of so that right. championship HLC uh, Shamrock team. Okay, yeah. he was the goalie, and he was cut by Adams and Jim Norris. Okay, so Mike, so Mike Caracas, and it, like unfortunately, I'm going to have to leave that hanging. Okay, okay, as to wh- who he is and what he's going to do. But all I need you to know is remember the name, Mike. Caracas. You stole my thunder. I was about to just like give like a haunting name into the microphone. Mike Caracas. You got it. All right. That's pretty good. So anyways, yes. Mike Caracas. Remember that name because it's going to factor into the story in a major, major way. Not now, okay. but in maybe like, I don't know, two or three shows. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Like this. Fair enough. But we're going to, but just remember that. And we'll, we'll remind us, start of the listeners of this. I saw, we'll so many of these guys. stories have had somebody... Coming back to haunt you. Exactly. Uh, That's what I'm saying. That's why it's key to re- to like build the story from the beginning. Yeah. Because as we power through, it's all gonna like come together. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's well, I mean, just... it happened with the lions and the tigers too. Yes. There was stuff that was just coming back to haunt. Exactly. You. Yes. That's what I mean. Like that's yeah. that's why the story is key. That's why like that's what I was saying at the beginning of the show. Like if we just say like, oh they all won their championships, but when you understand the, the you know all the stuff that was behind the scenes and the drama mm. and stuff, it's kind of, it's just like a modern day stuff. Like the '84 Tigers and '68 Tigers and you know, the, the uh, 2004 Pistons. There's so much that led up to those championships. Yeah. And those that, like, lived it, it's almost like it's just so cool when you're like, oh, all they need is, like, one more piece. And then the Pistons get Rashid Walsh. You're like, now they're set. We're ready to go. We can challenge the Lakers. You know, like, you, you know what I mean? It's that one missing piece, like 84 Tigers. Willie Hernandez, they got a shutdown closer. They're like, now we're, oh, man, this, that was the moment, you know? And so that's how it is, like. You know that's how the that's how the evolution of these stories go, and that's why I like the, the, this show because we get to transport back and to see the evolutionary processes of these teams. And in this is a really special case because not only is this an evolution toward where we're going with the thirty-five season, but in every single one of these cases, you know, especially with the Lions and the Red Wings, this is the evolution of the entire franchise yeah. towards the towards the, this you know this incredible moment. So so this is a, I think it's just such a unique opportunity with this story. Is that it, you know? Is it? We, it's the story of the franchise evolving into this first incredible you know championship season. So anyway, so so Mike Caracas is cut unceremoniously and um, probably without hesitation. They're like, yeah, it's not yeah, good yeah. enough, right? And so uh, so anyway, so so um, that's, that's so good. so the thirty two thirty three season is the first year as the Red Wings, and um, and so the so in Mike Caracas's place. Uh, the the Red Wings sign a goalie named John Ross Roach, and we do have a picture. Actually, you know, I want to stop for one quick second. Jim. Okay. We got a picture of uh, Jim Norris Jr., and I want to throw him up there too. Yeah, all right. um, it was sort of like a, a last minute addition, but he's a major character, and I didn't want to leave him out because he's Jim Norris uh, Senior. Is his son um, Jim Norris Jr. was a, a really important component of this whole ownership um, group, and so. All right. There we go. Yeah, so you got to see it on your screen. So, I'm um, working on so, it. Yeah, yeah, I got you. So anyways, uh, so, J- so Jim Norris Sr., his nickname is Pops. So they, that's how they differentiate Jim Norris Jr. and Sr. is uh, Pops is the, is, um, is the, da- is the father, is the, old, is the old man. Right. And uh, Jim Norris Jr., they called him Young Jim. 
And so we got a couple pictures of him on the screen. And one of the pictures we have on the screen is him talking to the eventual goalie, uh, Normie Smith. And the, and so uh, Jim, the, so the role that Jim Norris Jr. played was he was sort of like a intermediary. So whereas the where the old man, well, you know, uh, Pops was you know the 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 scion of the of the team, the guy that was like somewhat you know intimidating to go and approach because he's working on multi billion multi million dollar deals, and you're not going to go talk to him if you got a issue with the coach or something, yeah. and you're trying to worry about your meal money for your next vacation, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And so, so uh, young Jim was the guy that really, you know, relieved a lot of pressure on the, you know, he served as a bridge between um, Jack Adams, the players, especially between the players and ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you can see the, the picture we have on the left up here. I actually took that right off of, uh, that's actually off of the team photo of the Red Wings. And he's, and, and so it's, it speaks volumes that in the team photo, he's front and center in the very front row. Yeah. Uh, he was a really important component of the team. And the players all mentioned him in some, some form or another, you know. And there was actually an occasion in one of the, and there was a, there was a fight in which, uh, Abby Goodfellow got, um, nearly got his head, head cut off by a guy named Toll Blake. And um, Jim, uh, young Jim, came on the ice and was like punching. I mean, he was like the owner came out of the box to fight <laughs> onto the ice, and young Jim was. You thought right a there. goalie fight was fun? Yeah, the you get an then, owner the, fight. Wait till we get into some of these fights. These <laughs> fights are crazy. These these NHL fights back in this day. I mean, there's bottles getting thrown on the ice. I mean, it's crazy. These yeah. fights are nuts. And so his and so there was one that, like he was just a total like. I mean, he was a, a total. Um, he loved the players. He was always, you know, he was a total bridge between them. So I just wanted to hit on him before we yeah. move on, and uh, just to make sure that everybody knows him because he's going to come up in different quotes and different components of the story as we move forward. All right. So anyway, so the first guy, one of the, so the really the first um, addition that uh, they they roll into with some money uh, with with Norris's money is John Ross Roach, and we do have a picture of him. Mm-hmm. So Jack Adams had this belief that a good goalie is sixty percent of a team's success. Which to me seems like an inordinate number. To me, I never, I guess I never realized. I mean, I always thought a goalie was important, um, but I didn't know, I mean, 60%, you know, it was a pretty high level. But that was, you know, you know that's what, Nora, that's what uh, Jack Adams believed, that a goalie was absolutely essential and as a 60%, um, you know, indicates. And so in this case, they brought in John Ross Roach, who by no means was like an elite goalie in the NHL, but he was def- definitely good. I mean, he's, a, you know, he's above average and um, a solid guy to bring in. And so under so so John Ross Roach in, his, in the first season is he's the first Red Wings goalie, and it's again nineteen thirty two to thirty three, and and so he is and so he actually and he has like the best season of his career. He has mm. he's second in the game in um, goals against average with one point nine four goals per game, um, and he's second in shutouts, meaning he doesn't allow a goal with uh, with nine games. He has nine, uh, nine shutouts. And so, the, in in this case, the the Wings uh, um, the record they played uh, 30, 48 games at this time, so nine shutouts in forty eight games is pretty good. Um, so he's second in the league with nine shutouts. And so in the first, so the first season of the Red Wings, they fin- so they uh, they finished tied for first, their record twenty five fifteen and eight, so they're tied with Boston for first place, and they win their first ever playoff series versus the Maroons Woo. before losing to the New York Rangers, ah. and so they're eliminated. But their very first season of the Red Wings, they go to the playoffs and they beat the, and they win their first series. Right. So this is a monumental leap forward for this team. Yep. You know, like I say, the previous I mean they were I mean they were they went to the playoffs the previous year, but in this case they win their first series and it's you know in all appearances they're going places, right? And so that's the Red so that's the Red Wings' first season. A lot of activity, a lot of you know change, and um, you know we're you know we're moving right along. So 1933-34, their second year is the Red Wings. Uh, the the red so uh, they opened uh, Jim Norris's wallet again and they <laughs> and they uh, they they pick up a, a star center one of the best centers in the league his name is Ralph Cooney Wyland uh, uh, from from Ottawa and I guess I forgot to put a, get a picture of him but, okay uh, he's a he's a star back in there so anybody can kind of Google Cooney Wyland is what you're going to look for and you're going to sure. see pictures of him all over the place and his story is going to come up again when we talk about Herbie Lewis I alluded to this a uh, couple episodes ago with Herbie Lewis that there was this tremendous minor league story with Herbie Lewis and Cooney Wyland is like like. Uh, going to be a major part of this. Um, Herbie Lewis and Cooney Weiland were both on these incredible teams in Minnesota in the minor leagues, and they were just, it was like the, one of the most legendary rivalries of all time. And so this is a guy that Herbie Lewis especially is like very familiar with after having waged war with him in the minor leagues. And so now he's on the uh, on the Red Wings, and it was just, that was a major addition is to get this guy. He's one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. And he's just a tremendous playmaker. And so now this is a big-name guy for the Red Wings to get. 
And so, and so, and also they get, they have this huge stroke of luck because um, in this season, uh, John Ross Roach is going to really struggle. Okay. He's not, so his first, this first year as a Red Wings, he was really good in the second year. He's really struggling, but the stroke of luck comes in because uh, the Montreal Canadiens had a, like, it must've been their third or fourth backup goalie. Like he was down, he was down so far in the depth chart. His name is Wilf Cude. Okay. And we got a picture of Wilf. Uh, oh, there you go. You got Cooney up there on the screen. Great. Cool. Yeah. yeah um, there you go. So, uh, so anyways, so, so the, uh, oh, we got Wilf. Yeah. We got a, we got a little thing of Wilf and I got a great little shot of him, um, with this, uh, newspaper shot. But anyway, so Wilf cued and I say lucky because John Ross Roach is struggling terribly and the Canadians prior to the season had loaned Wilf cued to the Red Wings because they, they must, they were stacked with so many good goalies that they had this guy that like, you know, he, he's better off being a backup in Detroit than a guy who's going to be fourth string in Montreal. And so the Canadiens loaned Wilf Cude, excuse me, to um, to the Red Wings uh, just in just in case, just as a backup goalie, maybe he can get a couple reps and a couple games in, and you know maybe develop this guy. But he's still property of the Canadiens. It's important to understand. Well. And so he's he's just like basically you know they, you know loaned. He's borrowed to the Detroit Red Wings. But so now he's called into action because John Ross Roach is just playing awfully. He's just playing terrible. And so, yeah, I love this picture right here we got on the screen. Anybody that can see it, anybody yeah. that can't, what it is, it's a picture of Wilf playing goalie, and there's a wood wall in front of the net. And so it's like they're showing, like, <laughs> that's how good he was. He's like, yeah. spoiler alert, Wilf Cude was literally the best goalie in the entire NHL in 1933-34. Look at that gear. Those yeah, gloves. So, so anyway, so Wilf, you know, he's this, you know, he's basically an on-loan player from Montreal, and he comes to Detroit as a backup. John Ross Roach struggles, and Wilf steps in, and he leads the team to the Stanley Cup championship. Uh-oh. Okay, <laughs> like that's how good he is. Uh, yeah. He's so John. You know, I guess Jack was right. You know, he got the number one goalie in the NHL. He takes his goal against average is one point six four, which is insane. That's less like I mean, and people might think that it was less scoring in back in these days. And true enough, it was. But they still, I forgot what the overall average was. But it was still pretty decent. I mean, it was right. it was. You know, it was maybe a half, maybe a quarter to a half goal less than it is today. I mean, it was it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, that wasn't like they scored like one goal every game. Is Wilf short for something? Wilford or? Uh, it could be. I guess I should have looked that up. I forgot. Right. I just I've always, I just know him as such Wilf as Wilf Cook. that I didn't yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I just I love name. the names. Yeah. I just love the yeah. names. Yeah. Wilf. Era. Yeah, but that's a cool. Name. It's probably yeah. Wilfred or something yeah. like this. Um. So, anyways, so he leads him to the Stanley Cup Finals. And the Wings take so so. Guess who the Wings meet in the finals? Oh no! Who can anybody? That guy. Who? Maroons. Mike. Tom got it. Mike. Coot. No, 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 no. No, we'll get to him. No, no. The Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, the Blackhawks. Yes, Tom nailed it. So Tom, I teed up for Tom. Tom's Tom's got it. So so. Anyways, they meet the Blackhawks in the finals, and um, anyways, they take it. So it's a it's a best of five series. And the Wings lose in in the fourth game, in four games, and they lose in heartbreaking fashion because mm. they lose in double overtime to the Blackhawks, and they lose one to nothing in mm. double overtime in the four in the you know game four of the series. So the so they lose to the Blackhawks, which is like you see you're like this building nemesis with McLaughlin and Norris. Um, with uh, you know, you know, with Adams and these teams, and there's and so the, and I just wanted to mention briefly a few of the names of these uh, Blackhawks players because they're going to come up across the point of in various quotes, and kind of like the Red Wings have this core group of guys, yeah. so do the Blackhawks, and these guys are going to be recurring names that are going to be coming up all over the place. So now's a pretty good time to mention them because these are the guys that beat that beat the Wings in this uh, Stanley Cup Finals, and so we've so uh, we've got Paul Thompson who's a left winger. Uh, he's going to end up in down the road. He's going to end up being like in the in the thirties, late thirties. He's going to end up becoming the coach of the Blackhawks. Uh, we have Johannes Johnny Gotzelig. So from here on out, it's from here on out, it's Johnny Gotzelig. Johnny, Johnny Gotzelig. This guy in the movie, he's like the main one of the main nemesis of the Blackhawks. And so he is he, Johnny Gotzelig is a Russian. Like okay, like oh, this okay. is like you know, there's nothing like in hockey. Like you got a Russian guy in your hockey team, yeah. and he is that guy. Like he is like you know, you're the black the Blackhawks version of Vladimir Konstantinov. Yeah. He's like that's how I picture him, and that's you know how he's rating. He's um, he, you know, he's a he's a brawler. He's a fighter. He's a scorer. He's whatever you want him to be. And he's a and he's a um, and he's a, and he he's the captain. He ends up being a captain of the team in 1938. Um, and one of the cool facts I was looking him up a little bit today. Um, 
was that Johnny Gottslig would end up, if anybody's seen the movie League of Their Own, yeah. uh, the, the, with the racing bells, was, you know, there's the Rockford Peaches, and then in the championship game, you had the racing bells. Well, Johnny Gottslig was the coach of the racing bells oh. of that All-American Girls baseball team. So if you think about that coach in the movie that was the, you know, the, the rival coach yeah. against Tom Hanks, that was Johnny Gottslig in real life. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so I just thought that was kind of a cool little connection. But uh, so you have uh, Doc Rom- Romneys, who is the uh, center, and you've got uh, Harold Mush March, who is a tremendous uh, scoring uh, scoring forward for the Blackhawks. And you have Chuck Gardner, who won the Vizina Trophy, is the um, best uh, uh, MVP in in the in the se- during this year. Yeah. He was the goalie for the Blackhawks, and and then uh, this, so they, they also have Lionel Conacher. Okay, and I want to emphasize this guy real quick because Lionel Conacher is. He's on the Blackhawks in this year, but pretty much like whatever team Lionel Conacher goes to, as we're going to see, his name is going to come up so much as we move forward with the story. Because pretty much whatever team he goes to, goes to the Stanley Cup. Okay. Okay. Lionel Conacher, he is, he's a defenseman. And Lionel Conacher, it's, it's, I'm so happy to be able, this is one of the reasons why I like to do this show because it, these are the type of names that never get mentioned anywhere. And Lionel Conacher, like, um, there was like a, a poll or some kind of a, you know, they do like these like ranking systems yeah. for different things. And Lionel Conacher was voted the greatest Canadian athlete of the first half of the 20th century. Okay. Wow. That's how, how big of a deal this guy was in his day. Every, he, played, he played rugby, football, baseball, oh. hockey. He did everything. And in, in his, in, as a defenseman, like there was, I mean, there was a handful of guys, um, that, that, a handful of defensemen in the NHL at this point that were like elite of the elite of the elite. Like Eddie Shore is one of them. Um, Frank Clancy is another one. Yeah. Lionel Conacher is definitely one of them. So why couldn't he keep a job? Uh, <laughs> trust me. Oh, kept he, moving kept, around? he kept a job, yeah, but yeah, he was yeah, like yeah. one of well, these he had guys. The same job, but a lot of different places. See, back in those days, if yeah. you were, you know, you were, if like, like you had to be really free, really good. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I mean, like most guys were like happy, you know, they're good, but they're like happy to get their check and they're year by year like this. If you had the ability to even move around to other teams, like, I mean, you're so good at like, I don't know. I mean, he was a mercenary, you know. Yeah. I mean, he was. I mean, he, he, he probably would, a bigger check he each would time. Stick around, yeah, he would stick around for a few years with different teams, okay. but but I'm just, I just, but the main thing is, is like anybody that wants to see some really some a cool story yeah. about a guy from the 1930s, look up Lionel Conacher and just read about his history. Mm-hmm. He is a, he was just a tremendous, and he's going to be a main guy coming up in these if, ensuing stories about the Red Wings. So that's another guy's name to really remember, and he's on this Blackhawks team. And so, yeah, so they win the cup from the way they got Lionel. When the, they, and they actually signed, the Blackhawks signed Lionel Conacher in this year, and they win the Stanley Cup with him. I mean, he's a beast. So, anyways, so that's your 33 34 season. Um, and then, this, and then the, uh, this, the season prior to the 1935 season, which of course is the main objective of the show, here we are on the eve of the City of Champions season. Mm. And this is with the 1934 35 season uh Detroit Red Wings this is their fourth season or their third their third season um as the Detroit Red Wings so the Red Wings are as we mentioned in the previous season they got to the Stanley Cup and they had just narrowly you know they just you know gotten beat and so there's whispers around the league that the Wings had really overachieved that they were nowhere near as good they just got hot at the playoff time yeah cruised through the things you know got close but they were Really, just a sort of a flash in the pan. In the nineteen thirty four thirty five season, actually validated that perception of them oh. because in thirty four thirty five, again on the eve of the City of Champions season, the the Red Wings regressed terribly. Oh, I mean they were they had an awful record. They were nineteen twenty two and seven. They were last in the four team American Division, fifth of fifth of nine in the entire NHL. Um, Cued had been recalled to Montreal. John Ross Roach had. Come back to fill his slot and played terribly, mm. um, and so there. And so the Red Wings are terrible in thirty four, thirty five. In the worst case, and this is where you know I wanted to get to with this entire show is this moment, um, which is to sort of paint a picture of where this team was. You know, this is sort of you know going to you know, how we're going to lead off the next show is to paint a picture of where this team was at this moment. Mm-hmm. And so, so you know they've got the ownership back, and which is great and all. But here they are in 34-35 um, after coming off the Stanley Cup, losing against the Blackhawks, 
now 34-35. At this moment, this is the moment that, as we're going to be seeing, Joe Lewis is coming out, you know, coming up. Yeah. Um, and you can 34-35 season, you know, their season carries over. Uh, you know, into you know the end of their season is like January, February, March, April. Those are the last right, four months right, of the right. season at this point. So, so and, and that's thirty five. Right. You see, and so, so they're so they're catching. Um, you know, the, so the, you know the Lions have been born in thirty four. The Tigers have gone to the World Series in thirty four. Right. Joe Lewis is getting ranked the, the ninth best fighter overall in nineteen thirty four, and then thirty in the beginning of thirty five, he's start, like every single week that goes by. His fame is growing with every single fight. Yeah. The the thirty five Tigers, you know, like they they went to the World Series in thirty four, mm. um, which is like the tail end of their season. It's the beginning of the of the Red Wings season. So the beginning of the Red Wings season, the Tigers were in the World Series, and then at the end of their season, the Tigers in thirty five are beginning to head towards their second World Series, and so they're. Nothing at this moment. Right. Every, there's everything else going on. The 34 Lions came out. At least they won 10 straight games, and you know there's a new team in town. And then there's you know you know a little bit of hype, a little bit of hype for the 35 Lions. But they're but the Red Wings are completely irrelevant. Mm. They're completely irrelevant, and that's the moment. This is the moment that um that uh uh you know Jack Adams and um and I don't have really evidence for this but it had it could not possibly have been lost on them especially when the moves what they're going to end up making and is we're going to find out in the next episode it could not have been lost upon them that everybody in the city is winning except for us right like <laughs> yeah. we we yeah, yeah. that was great that we went to the Stanley Cup finals in th- you know in 33 34 right but that was like, 2 years ago now you know yeah. like we're we're a no our team stinks and the Tigers are going to the World Series. There's you know caravans of people going down to spring training because of the Tiger fever to see if they're going to go in 35. Um, the Lions, you know, they won 10 straight games. And they got Dutch Clark and all this cool thing. They're the Ty Cobb of football. Right. And, uh, you know, Joe Lewis is this new sensation that's capturing the fascination of the, you know, the entire, you know, the entire country as this new boxing superstar coming out of Detroit. And there's all these other championships. I mean, you got Gar Wood, and we got these things we're going to see. And the Red Wings are in this moment are like, like as we've talked about before, and we've actually emphasized, I think twice now, uh, the Red Wings up at this point. Um, uh, this is they're like the uh, the home when they were at home. The they, we they had a bunch of Canadian fans coming from Windsor, cheering for the other team. Yeah, yeah like yeah. the bulk of their fans were 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 Canadian fans cheering on the we other. We get to team. go see our team win. Exactly. You. So Adams is like, <laughs> at, you know, they're losing, and the fans uh. are cheering because they're they're primary fans. And there's also a rumor going around. Jack Adams is mocked for this. That Jack Adams is going around trying to exchange potatoes for tickets, mm. like because it's in the middle of the Great Depression. He's yeah. trying to get Detroit butts in the seats, and he's trading potatoes to do it. And somehow this like it's like a rumor or something that s- sneaks out, and now he's basically getting mocked for it. Like they're like, "Hey, Jack, you know, like, when she gets, you know, I'll take a potato or something." You know, like they're just mocking him, you know, for it. It's just he looks like an idiot for it, and so like. The Red Wings, like, they realize, they're like, if all these teams are coming out in 35, and this is the year, like, the Tigers win the World Series, the Lions are about to do something, you know, potentially. Um, Joe Lewis is this rising star. There's all this stuff going on. There's a renaissance. There's, by long and short of it is, by 1934, it was clear to everyone that there was this renaissance of sports enthusiasm in Detroit. Mm. It was, of course, led by the Tigers. The Tigers were the preeminent team. Everybody was Tiger hysterics at this moment. Um, uh, but, but this, so, but they're in the midst of this Detroit sports renaissance in the doldrums of the great depression. And and it could not have been lost upon, especially when we're going to see in the next week's show, um, the moves that they ended up making were incredibly bold, incredibly aggressive. I mean, they, they're going to end up overhauling, uh, there's only 15 guys in the roster and they're going to have 10 new guys on this roster going into 35 and they're in the directions where all these guys are going to come from. Is crazy where they all came from and how he cobbled, he built this team from all over the place, and uh, that's insane. So the the aggressiveness of these moves that he is going to do, he'd never done anything this massive in his entire career with the, the as a coach. So it could not have been lost upon them that they had to do something. That if they were going to compete, like they, they weren't just competing for a, a Stanley Cup, they were competing. Like this was their moment to take it to become. Uh, you know, to capture the attention of the fans. Yeah. You know, this was their moment. If they did not see it, you see, like this right. was their chance that if they wanted to be part of the Detroit sporting scene, 
they had to win this year. 1935 had to be the year. They couldn't wait another year. They this was their moment, and they had to seize it. And so um, that's where I wanted to leave. You know, that's where I want to leave it off because um, because it just kind of sets the stage for next week when we're going to talk about you know the moves that Adams made. The building a contender is what he ended up doing. But I will leave sort of this story for today off with one little bit of good news: is that. In 34, 35, there was a ray of sunshine. Yeah. And that ray of sunshine is that the Detroit Olympics, which was the minor league team that Adams established, won the, oh. uh, the IHL championship. Yeah. Okay. So the Detroit Olympics, the Red Wings might not have got it done, right. but Tom's favorite team and mine too. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite, you know, my favorite <laughs> minor league, probably my favorite minor league team, I would say yeah. that. Um, in any sport, actually, because the Olympics are going to have a fascinating part to play in the story. Just an unbelievable role in this entire story. And so they win their IHL championship. And the coach of that IHL championship team is none other than Donnie Hughes, who is – If the, the, a few episodes ago we showed a team photo with the, with the Ottawa um, – with, with Jack Adams' final year with the Ottawa Senators. And so um, the, the trainer on that Ottawa Senators team was Donnie Hughes. So he, uh, Donnie went all the way back with Jack Adams all the way t- um, to his days as his final season in Ottawa. And so that's what I mean. So like, so that's what's like extra cool is that Donnie Hughes, um, I mean, this is like old guard with Jack Adams. Like he goes all the way back to the old Ottawa team. And so as we mentioned on a previous episode, like how important that old Ottawa team was. And this is really one of the first components is that um, is that uh, Donnie Hughes is, was on that team. He was a trainer on that team, and he's yeah. going to be Adams' minor league coach when they, um, to win the IHL championship. So, yep, so that's where we're going to leave off today. Is the set the, set the, the excitement the, uh, is brewing. I think uh, so, yeah. Who was it? John Howell chimed in and said uh, the last time the Tigers won 10 games in a row was 1934. <laughs> oh, that's, that's not entirely fair, but in yeah. recent years that's well, entirely but, accurate. You know, because I'm looking, I, I tried to do a quick look, and then the, the, the only thing I said was the Lions winning streaks, and they, the, the, they said only nine games, and, and that was in uh, 2011. Oh, so was it has a, been was a nine-game streak. So he's, he's pretty close. He's uh, um, – so yeah, that's the only other time that uh, it doesn't look like they've they've broken nine. That's my dad, but they don't the even they, they don't have nineteen thirty four on here. What's that? Uh, this this web, whatever this website is. So what do we? For, yeah. What, so anyway, oh, yeah. they don't so, they, it doesn't go back that far. So yeah, and that's the thing. It's like that's part of the reason why these books are important. These stories are important because when you go and you look for this information, it's not there. Yeah, it's it's, it's missing, and it's well, uh, like saying. you know your story on the winged wheel. I mean, I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, I do too, Stephen. Because I'm that. saying like that was something I didn't, I'd never really you know dove down that particular rabbit hole, and it was you know it's always good to hear a little you know it's you know it's, you know here I just love stories, and I love to know how th- I like. I think that's one of my favorite things about history is that there's usually a reason why for a lot of stuff. There's a lot of times there's a reason why there's it didn't just happen. Like what was yeah. the connecting point and. Sometimes, like it's you know, we can speculate or whatever and understand, but I but I but I love that story. I love how the evolution of that, you know, how it started from there and all the way to how it got to Detroit. I think it's a great story. Hey, Tom, you're here. You got a, you always got great stories. Yeah, well, Tom's got so many great. I'll set this up. Let me tee this up. The time, I know I'm gonna, I don't want to cut you off, Tom. I really, I really had to. So anyways, but we haven't heard you enough yet. I know. Well, uh, <laughs> no, let me interject here. I got something to say before Tom says something. I haven't had a chance to talk all day. It's a learning lesson for me. You know? No, I'm no, learning a lot. I know, but what I what I wanted to do, I wanted to set Tom up because and the, because uh, after the show is over, we usually sit around with Tom, Tom, talking for a little bit, yeah. and hang out with Tom, and he's sitting there telling me stories like all day long, like he like it's just story after story. He's got so many great stories, and a lot of it's not necessarily 1935 stuff, right? And so we were talking last week, and oh, I was like, you know what? I want to do a little segment at the end of every show, which is a did you know section with Tom. Yeah. It's just a quick little story, and it really can be anything because that's, and I, I like to, you know, I think it's kind of cool. It's, you know, generally history stuff mm-hmm. and uh, might not necessarily be, be from the 30s. So, um, so really, you know, we're going to kick off. Are we going to talk about the stock market thing, Tom? Is well, that what we're talking about? You lead me into it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. Tom. Get that game stop going. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, so we actually had a different. Did you know for today? We actually were going to because there's such a great story that we were talking about um, the last week or whatever. But but this one today we were talking. I was talking with Tom because he had about this about you know today the most relevant topic of the day, which is such a great story, is this GameStop. Thing. Oh boy, it's such a you know. It, I, I don't want to get all too super into it. I was going to like give it a little introduction what's going on, but. My God, man! If there's so much, if you haven't heard about what's going, like there's so much stuff out there. You know, just, yeah. go, go take a look if you don't know what we're talking about—the GameStop stock thing. 
But Tom was telling me on the phone today because we were talking about it. Because Tom's in the big into the stock market, so am I. And I own two shares of Game Stock. By the way, we're the problem. Excellent. Yes, I own yeah. two shares of Game Stock, and I own four shares of AMC. Well, Thank another, you. Another problem. Yeah, clutching it viciously. Oh, I'm not selling. Hold the line. Anybody that hears this, hold, hold the, the line. line. I'm not hold selling. I'm not. I don't care what it goes up to. It's not even about the value of it. I don't even. I mean, I would love to turn a product. There, but there's going to be a time. There's going to be a point where it's time to sell. Right. But right now ain't it. Okay. And anybody that's thinking about getting into it like it's you know what the the, the it's if you, if you want to think about it like this, get yourself a share. It's worth the price of admission. Okay. All right. You're going to yeah. ride a Just roller to watch coaster. The show. Just if you're in the show, you're <laughs> on the coaster. It's worth the price of admission, whether it goes up. You down, got all whatever. these casinos yes. allowing gambling now. Yes, this is probably a safer bet yeah. than the casino. Wait till gambles. what happens when there's, there's online gambling now. Where yeah. You touch your button on the phone, like <laughs> you think this is bad. Wait till people are gambling and figuring all kinds of weird odds maker stuff. So, anyways, so with that with that in mind, so we were talking about today, and Tom had a great uh, couple little um, story components, that, you know, story that about uh, somebody he knew back in the day, which I well, thought was great. So that 19... with that, you go ahead, Tom. Well, back in nineteen sixty. I knew a fellow, and you could play uh, commodities on the market, the agricultural commodities. And when you buy a contract, you better be able to be able to sell the contract. And if you don't sell the contract, you have to take delivery. Yes. Well, my friend bought the egg contract in 1960, and he missed the call. Oh. And a boxcar came to Dearborn with 100,000 cartons of eggs. <laughs> Yes. So back then, you actually had to Ooh, take... That's an omelet. So if yep. you're like, yeah, if you're doing gold or silver or whatever like this, if you miss yep. paying out the contract, you actually got that commodity uh, <laughs> he, delivered to your back door. <laughs> you know, he, like, he so it was 100,000 cartons of eggs. Cases and cases of frozen and concentrated that, orange yeah, juice. Yeah, yeah. The New York Central train brought the car, <laughs> the box car, and he had to pay the rent on that car every day. Oh, my too. God. So yeah. anyway, so he had a pickup <laughs> truck, and he was selling eggs door to door. <laughs> Driving around selling yeah. eggs. Door Door to yeah. door, and uh, finally he was calling the schools and everything to get rid of these eggs. So every time he came in the market, <laughs> we saw him, we called him Mr. Egg. Oh, my God. But, the, but yeah. there was another guy that was in there, and he had a commodity, and he was buying lard, you know. Lard, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and he missed his call, uh. and he got a notice that his boxcar was in Chicago, and it was starting to leak oh. because it was 90 degrees. Oh, God. <laughs> So did he take possession of the he lard? Had, he had to go over, and he, I don't know what he did with the boxcar. Oh, my there, God. But there probably might have been a little earthquake in Chicago. Oh, <laughs> that is so bad. I heard that back in the 30s, one of the things that they ate was like lard on toast. Uh, yeah. Was that like, I mean, was that, have you heard, I mean, is that a, 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 a staple of that? I mean, because, I mean, they had to get by with whatever. This, this was in the 60s. I don't know. Okay. And you hear other stories. Sometimes a guy will come home, and he missed his call. And his the guy sitting out in the truck. He said, "Where do you want the lumber?" Yeah, yeah just drop it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's his. Well, that's that's fat. That's interesting though. But they, they got to liquidate it too. So if he's going around selling eggs, they're going for like a penny a dozen no or something. Yeah, liquidating yeah. his lard. Yeah, liquidating <laughs> lard. Yeah. But they yeah, so and I just thought that was interesting because you know what would they do today for that stuff like oh. I mean I mean they're going to take possession of all this yeah, kind of stuff commodities can be dangerous boy watch yeah. your calls don't miss a call but you know that's why if I got into commodities the stuff I get into is like gold and silver because yeah, if yeah. you get have to take delivery of some gold and silver you're going to get like, ingot you know gold ingots and stuff that'd be <laughs> that's the cool stuff I'd be at your door Charles that's what I'm saying I'd I'd be like you know gold for sale you know like, yeah. how many people you have to ring in too many doorbells to sell gold you know. Like, I got gold bars for sale, you yeah. know. If you didn't get robbed, that's, a, that's probably a dangerous commodity. You know, you got a hoard a train full of gold. Well, <laughs> you, you got, got the gold of the 35 city of champions. Yeah. Well, let's say it. I was just like, the, you know, that's the that's our commodity. You know, we're yep. we're hoping that we can turn this thing into, you know, really turn this into something, into something cool. Because yeah. uh, I can already see the movie in my head. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. I got yeah. the script you know? of the Lions in my briefcase. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. Tom, Tom was the first person I gave a copy of the Lions screenplay to. All but, right. Um, so, uh, Detroit City of Champions is the name of the website. Uh, Facebook and the social medias. That's uh, Facebook is pretty much it. Uh, the website, uh, YouTube Detroit show. City of Champions. If, yep, if you missed any shows, if yep. you missed any show, this is your first one, or there's a couple. We got them all yeah. numbered and all listed in order in the uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, they're go up check them out well. the YouTube. They're all archived. You can actually see a lot of the screen, um, the video, the the photos. Uh, the photos, yeah, we're pulling up. Yeah. 
And so, yep, YouTube and everything. But uh, we appreciate anybody you're listening. If you're not subscribed, give it a, a little click, and uh, we'd appreciate uh, appreciate that. Leave a comment. Those are always very helpful as well. Thanks for being here and sharing the, the Winged Wheel story. Yeah, oh, Stephen, appreciate pleasure. you coming in, man. My appreciate pleasure. You. I, I, I bought the book years ago when Tom <laughs> told me about it. Yeah. So I'll have to get it another one. <laughs> awesome. Fascinating <laughs> stuff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. All right. So Tom, good us, always good to have you, man. We're doing hockey, you. so until next time, keep your stick on the ice, right? I, I, I'm telling that's you, when you said cherry. that last time, that's, you caught me off guard. because that's I Todd Cherry. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's well, not Jerry's Well, me and my brother, I think. And a, me and my me and my brother, me and my brother Cameron, and a friend of mine named Giggs. He's an Irishman. He's a, a Gareth Bohines, one of my one of my very good friends. <laughs> so we call him Giggs, right? Okay, I've known him from Mackin Island and that. Yeah, we were going yeah. to Canada. We were going to Toronto. And that that was what the guy, the Canadian border guy, said to us. Ah. and like we were kind of smuggling my brother Cameron over because he didn't even have his ID and he like didn't even like couldn't even really get one at that point. Yeah, there you go, Jesus. fellas, keep your stick on here. But that's what the border guard said to us, and me, we we got through and we're like, dude, did that Canadian guy just tell us to keep our stick on this? We're like. What does that mean? And we're like, <laughs> but it's so awesome. It's it can apply true. to everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I don't know exactly what that means, <laughs> but but it's awesome. <laughs> you know, like, we're like, dude, we're totally in Canada right Usually now. Usually, when I say that, that's the end of the show. Oh, I didn't know that. Maybe that's where <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't, I honestly didn't know that. I'm messing with you. I'm oh, okay. With. No, I didn't. I didn't. If you say Don Cherry, said, I don't know. I did. Yeah. Is that where? Is that? Don, where I think that's it. Just John sounds like it means stay out of yeah. trouble. Don't yeah. high stick somebody. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, that's a good idea. No, you're right. I can now. I can see it. Yeah, don't high stick anybody. Don't get keep your stick. Oh no, in the yeah, ice. you got to keep your it's stick. It's almost like be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Yeah, but keep your stick in the ice. Don't like high stick hitting. In the face. I get it. It's like a greeting to start a hockey game. I can I can see that, but I, but it definitely applies to a far broader meaning, <laughs> yes, which is like yes. don't do anything stupid. Don't you know like this and that. Like that's but that's what I mean. That's why I love the scene. And I, and I kind of knew that deep down. It was right. like you know just yeah. take it easy over here. You know like all right, cool. But uh, but I love the I love the saying. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, we'll do it again next week. Bye. Fastest hour and it's just. That was awesome. Really? Yeah, it was fun, man. I love it. Thank you for having me. No, my pleasure, man. It's amazing. Yeah.